You are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. I feel pressed today to just continue to preach on what I was preaching on last week and what we've heard in the revival. This is... There's nothing creative about what I'm doing. I I prayed and prayed, and I wanted a really creative message, a fun message. I love doing that. But I just could not get get away from just this idea. And so I want to preach, and I want to talk to you about establishing dominion today. Amen. 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 You may be seated. I want you to look in Joshua chapter 1, verse 3. Joshua chapter 1, verse 3. We read this last week, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. Isn't that awesome, that God has declared some things in our lives, and he said that this belongs to you, and he said, every place that you tread, Joshua, I'm giving you that place. Every place that your foot Treads I've given you. And he says from the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. We're not walking alone. We're not establishing things in the spirit alone, but God is with us. And so God tells Joshua, be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. God had already promised this land, but he told Joshua, be strong and of good courage. What we understand, and I'll I'll recap just quickly some thoughts that we had, but last week we talked about the the dominion that God gives us, and and it begins in the beginning of creation. In Genesis chapter 1, 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. He blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And our evangelist, Vinny Azzolini, a few weeks ago talked about this, talked about having dominion over the the things that are under the earth and over the earth and all of those things. But I, I, I want us to start there again today, that you and I were created to have dominion. You and I were created to have dominion in our lives. And really what we understand is that we were called to be fruitful and multiply. And in order to be fruitful and multiply, you have to have dominion. And what God was telling Adam and Eve was that you are to subdue the earth. Earth isn't to subdue you. You're not to be overtaken by earth, but you are to subdue earth. You're to have dominion. But we understand, again, it's not just so you can have dominion to say you dominated somebody or you won. It's some competitive term. It's ruling for the sake of freedom. 
It's ruling for the sake of being exactly who God called you to be. Adam and Eve could not be who they were supposed to be if they were ruled by earth. But they had to subdue earth to be who they were supposed to be and to be fruitful and to multiply. Dominion is about freedom. When we say we want dominion, when we say we want territory, it's about freedom to be who God has called us to be. And so I come back to that question this morning. Are you free? Are you able to be who God called you to be? Are you able to be free of fear and anxiety and worry and doubt and shame? Are you free to walk into your job and say, I declare the word of God? Are you free to witness? Are you free to testify of the goodness of God? That's the type of freedom that we are called to, and we have to have dominion in order to do it. Dominion is about freedom, a freedom to walk, a freedom to move, a freedom to operate in faith, a freedom to be used in the the gift of the spirits. It's a freedom to witness and to pray and to share our faith. It's a freedom to teach Bible studies and not be coward and uh, be cowardly or afraid to do that. It's freedom to be who God called us to be. And so I want to dive just a little bit deeper into something I concluded with last week. It's an idea that has had a great impact on my life over the years. And it's just a a, a real, I I think, idea that, that has the chance to really impact how you view your spiritual life. When you look at the idea, we read in Joshua chapter one, when you look at the idea of God giving the children of Israel the promised land. You realize that its application has many layers for us today. You, you, you hear a lot of sermons about the children of Israel, both Moses when he was leading them and Joshua, because it has great application to us. But the question I want to kind of answer today is how did Joshua possess, come to possess their promise? How was it that Joshua was able to get some territory and to possess all that God had designed him to be? So I want to look at Exodus chapter 23. Exodus chapter 23, verse 20. Now, what we're going to read is God's words to Moses concerning the promised land. If you don't know, God gave this promise to Moses first, but the children of Israel did not inherit, the the children of Israel under the leadership of Moses did not inherit the promised land. And so ultimately what we read was God raising up another leader to say, I'm going to still give you the promised land that I promised Moses. Now what we're going to read is what God told Moses. He says... Verse 20 of chapter 23. Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. I cannot emphasize to you enough 
that God has a place for all of us to inhabit in the spirit. That's what I said to Lillian today in the dedication. My excitement about it is that if she is born and she's alive, that means that God has a purpose for her life. There is a destiny on her life. There's a place for her life to dwell, to accomplish great things for God. And he said, I have prepared this place. We understand in context, if you've been around church any length of time, they call it the land flowing with milk and honey. It's a land that had plenty of resources, plenty of things to provide. It was a grand place. It had no comparison. It would become, and it was designed to be a refuge for the stranger. It was to be a refuge for the foreigner and the the hurting. It was a land of redemption. The promised land was such an amazing place that God told Moses he had prepared. What we realize is that it was prepared by God. But he says in verse 23 of chapter 23, he says, for my angel will go before you. I think that's important to understand. That God has a place prepared for Moses. He has a place prepared. But again, what he told Joshua, you're not going alone. Where you're going, I've already prepared it, and my angel is going before you. And the angel, he says, is going to bring you into the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And I will cut them off, he says. Now, what I found interesting about this, when we think of God delivering us and God doing amazing things in our life, oftentimes we think of God just wiping the slate clean and we enter into this place of euphoria. There's no problems. There's no issues. There's nothing to do. We just enter this place of abundance and it's wonderful. But God's promised land for the children of Israel was not that. He said, it is a place that I've prepared for you. And my angel is going to go before you, but I am going to bring you into a place. And I'm going to walk you into a place where you are face to face with enemies. I'm going to walk you into a place that the enemy thought that he owned. He thought he owned it for a long time, but I'm going to walk you into a place uh, that you're going to come face to face uh, with an enemy. Now, I think that's significant. And this passage gives us a list of six enemies. I'm going to tell you that I think there's seven, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But first, we realize the first enemy he mentions is the Amorites, the greatest, the most powerful of them all. They're a mountaineer. They're on a high place. They were mountain people lifting themselves up. They were self-reliant. They were those who thought a lot of themselves. And one of the first enemies that I think you and I will walk into is the enemy of pride. 
our own pride, our own selfishness, our own ability to think that we've made it on our own. And it's important to understand that when you surrender your heart to the Lord, there's going to be an enemy that you face that's called pride, that does not want to die, that does not want to give up ownership of what they've had a long time. And so the enemy of the Amorites will come face to face with the enemy of the Amorites. The next is the Hittites. The Hittites, that word means fear or terror. Another enemy that most likely you're going to come in contact with if you start serving the Lord and you start pushing into the promises of God, it's the voice of fear. It's a voice of fear that tells you you're not good enough, you're not able, you're not smart enough, you don't have what it takes to do what God is calling you to do. Has anybody ever felt that voice? Anybody ever come face to face with that enemy? The third enemy, he says, is the enemy belonging. It means, the the parasites means belonging to a village. And I'll tell you, a voice and an enemy that we will come into contact with is the voice of culture. It's the voice of the village. You start pushing into the things of God. You're going to start hearing a voice push back at you. You're going to start feeling pressures from culture, pressure from things around you. You weren't their enemy before, but when you start walking into the things of God, the places of God, the enemy's going to push back pretty hard. Voice of culture. The Canaanites. What were the Canaanites? They were merchants, they were traders. Another enemy that you're going to come face to face with is the enemy of compromise and doctrinal trade. You're going to have the opportunity in your life as you push into the things of God. Well, this isn't that big of a deal. This really doesn't matter that much. We, we can kind of have this and that. We can do this and still come to church and feel the presence of God. We can still participate in this and do these kind of activities and still be a part of the church. I'm telling you, you will never inherit what God wants you to inherit. You're going to come to that voice, and you're going to come to that enemy, and I'm going to tell you that enemy's going to swallow you up, and every promise of God is going to lay dormant in your life. But that enemy is real, and I can tell you in my own life that enemy is real. There's always an opportunity to compromise a little bit here and there. There's always an opportunity to say, well, this doctrinal position isn't that big of a deal, or it doesn't really matter that much. No, I want to inherit everything that God has for me. I want this church to inherit everything that God has for it. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. That other enemy, the Hivites. The Hivites belonging to a clan. And sometimes there's this voice of tradition, this voice of, of family pool that sometimes raises its head in our life. I know in my own life and in my own family, this has happened where sometimes the the voice of those that are close to us sometimes cause us uh, to kind of step away from everything that God is wanting from us. The Hivites belonging to a clan, the Jebusites, a place trodden down. 
Another enemy you're going to face is the enemy of discouragement. A place trodden down, just wore out. Constantly being trodden down, walked over. But here's what I want you to understand about these enemies. God walked them to the enemy. God walked them up to that enemy to have a face-to-face encounter with it. And so if you're dealing with some of these things, if you're wrestling with some of these things, I'm telling you today that it's, it's not just that you've lost your way and you, you are no longer a, a child of God and you should just throw in the towel. No, I kind of believe that God has walked you up to that to deal with it. To deal with it. To say if you're facing fear, Let's deal with it. If you're facing this idea of compromise and you're constantly going back and forth, deal with it. Do something about it because God is walking you up to your enemy. Not to be overcome, but he said, I've already sent my angel and I'm going to lead you to these enemies. Why? So that you can inherit everything that I have for you. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because he says, for my angel's going to go before you, and he's going to bring you in too. He's going to bring you up to these enemies. But he said, I will cut them off. I'm going to cut them off. Verse 24, you shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do according to their works, but you shall utterly overthrow them and completely break down their sacred pillars. In other words, you need to get dominion over these enemies. You need to get dominion over these enemies. You need to cast them down. If you come face to face with them this week, don't, ex- don't think of it as just, oh my God, the, the enemy's on me again. No, I'm telling you today that God's leading you to that enemy to deal with that enemy. So you overthrow it and you'll cast it down and say, you know what? Sorry, you don't have this real estate anymore. You don't have this dominion anymore. Fear no longer has its weight anymore. And throw it down. Cast it down. Oh, hallelujah. So he says, so you shall serve the Lord your God. And what has he said? Say, he says, he will bless your bread and your water. He says, I will take sickness away from the midst of you. No one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land, and I will fulfill the number of your days. I will fulfill the number of your days. When you walk into the promised land and you begin to take the territory, you're going to come in contact with the enemy. But as you cast them down and you no longer serve, them, but you surrender to an almighty God. God will fulfill the number of your days. God will fulfill the number of your days. You will accomplish his purpose. Oh, hallelujah. You'll be fruitful and you'll multiply. It's God's intention that we live free from the bondage of sin. It's God's intention that we live free 
Romans 16, 20, I read it last week, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. That's the God that we serve. He wants to crush Satan under his feet. And so we look at and we consider God working among us. Matthew chapter 6, you're familiar with this passage. It's the greatest prayer we can ever pray. This is the template for how we should pray. Therefore, do not be like them, for your God knows the things you have need of before you ask. He's already sent his angel. He already knows the plan that he has. So he said, therefore, in this manner pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done. In other words, the word kingdom is the king's domain. It's the king's dominion. He said, pray your kingdom come. Your dominion be done. Your will be accomplished. Oh, hallelujah. That's what we pray. And he says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not the will on earth be known in heaven. Means heaven comes to earth. Heaven's domain comes to earth. And he says, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Every enemy we face, God can deliver you from. I hope you believe that today. Every enemy you come in contact with, every thought that is not like God, you can cast it down. And you can make your mind obedient to the will of Christ. And so, this surrender, when we surrender our hearts to God, it's a signal that we are ready to possess the promises. And so, Exodus chapter 23, verse 27, and he said, I will send my fear before you, I will cause confusion among all the people to whom you come and you will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. Somebody hear that today. You got to quit running from the enemy. Walk through the enemy. Push through the enemy because the enemy is meant to, is meant to run from you. The enemies turn their backs to you. And he said, I will send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites, and the Hittite before you. But hear me now. Exodus 23, verse 29. I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beast of the field become too numerous for you. In other words, you're not going to pray a prayer that defeats every enemy in your life. But you can defeat the enemy that's right in front of you. And that's what God wants you to do. So many people in the first generation of the children of Israel, Moses' group, were overwhelmed by the task of all the enemies that it caused them to freeze 
in their spiritual walk. And it caused them to wander around aimlessly. Oh, they had miracles. Oh, they had great things happen among them. But because they could only see themselves in light of the big picture and every enemy that existed, it caused them to walk in fear and wander aimlessly. And I feel like a lot of times people live in spiritual immaturity because they pray and believe that somehow God is just going to wipe out all the enemies in their life. That God's just going to do away with every trouble and everything. That, that they get discouraged and they're afraid to walk in to what God is calling them to walk into. He said, it's not just going to be in one year. He said, I'm not going to empty the promised land of all its enemies. And here's why. He said, because if you inherit it, you're not big enough. You're not big enough to handle everything that I have prepared for you. He said, the wild beast will destroy you. If I were to get rid of all the enemies, the earth would destroy you. I find that very challenging. That in essence, what God is saying, that I'm going to give you territory and I'm going to give you dominion in proportion to your surrender to me and your willingness to handle the enemy that's right in front of you. And as you handle that enemy, you will grow into what I've called you to be. And then I'm going to take you to another enemy. And you're going to handle that enemy. And you're going to grow until you've been able to inhabit all that I've prepared for you. So he said, the beast of the field, your own ego would get the best of you. Your own ideas the wild beast would get the best of you. But Exodus 23, 30, he said, little by little. Little by little. I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and you inherit the land. How is dominion established? How is dominion established? It's established little by little. Little by little. Prayer by prayer. Decision by decision. Fasting and another day of fasting. Coming face to face with enemies of fear and saying, no, God has not given me the spirit of fear. Coming and wrestling through that enemy with the power of God, little by little, until you've increased, until you have increased and inherit the land, until you are free to be all that God has called you to be. I want you to know today, and I feel compelled for us to know that whatever territory 
you took from the enemy over the last number of weeks, that was significant. That was not just a a random happening. It was significant. But don't be discouraged if God leads you to another enemy. He's going to lead you to places where you come face to face with the things that want to oppress your life and keep you from being all that God wants you to be. And it's going to be little by little. This church is founded on the little by little. Revivals. Great things happening. Things that challenged us. Things that brought us face to face with things and yet We keep facing those, and we say, no, this is our inheritance. This is our promise. I don't know how you feel about yourself. I don't know what you feel like you can do for God. But I I just want to declare and tell you, you can do more for God than you realize. And what really makes the difference is time and faithfulness. Faithfulness to the things of God. Faithfulness to letting God be God in your life. Because we're called not to just have these moments with God that stand alone, no. That was the wandering children of Israel. I, I've said this before, but my, according to my calculation, they stopped 42 times in the wilderness. 42 times they stopped. 42 stops to nowhere. 42 times where there was a moment with God. But when you look back over their life, they went nowhere. Because they were afraid to press in where the enemy was. I feel a witness now. Calvary Church has got to press in where the enemy is. I'm glad for good church. I want good church. I want it to be amazing church. But what I understand is good church isn't enough. We've got to, as a congregation, press in on Monday and Tuesday and push in to what God wants us to inherit, which means we've got to come face to face with some enemies in our life. We can't just be satisfied to have a moment, a stop on Sunday where we experience something from God and then we just keep wandering in circles, never inheriting what God has for us. I don't know if I'm helping anybody today, but I'm telling you today, we're right where God wants us to be. We're right where God wants us to be. We're right where God wants us to be. We're not called out of the world. We're not called out of Egypt just to wander. You weren't saved. You weren't baptized. And you haven't just received the Holy Ghost to just wander around aimlessly in your spiritual life. But as I said last week, we are sent into the world. We're sent into the world. When you read Mark chapter 16... He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. 
He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. How does that happen? One word. Go. I said last week, you can't have something following you if you're not going anywhere. And we are a people who are called to go. We're a people that's called to go, not to just wander, not to just aimlessly walk through life and hope it all turns out okay. But there is a promised land. There is a place of destiny for us that we are called to go into. And it's going to have enemies in it. It's going to have pushback in it. But he sent his angel. He's already won the victory. But we have to go. And so it was after the death of Moses that God told Joshua, listen, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon I have given you. As I said to Moses from the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. And no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. You have the ability to walk into this place and inherit all of it. I mentioned last week, you can listen to the message, but I talked about a farmer who moved a stone. And by moving that stone, he changed the border between Belgium and France. He didn't know. Today, I feel again compelled to challenge us to push for some more territory in our life. Don't be content with what you are and who you are, but push forward. And I felt specifically to pray today about some territories that God is giving the Calvary Church. And what I'm praying is that we have boldness Because God told Joshua, be strong and of good courage. For this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to your fathers to give them. In the book of Acts, Acts chapter 4, said they looked on their threats and they prayed and said, Lord, look on their threats. Grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. What does he say? By They prayed by stretching out your hand to heal. And that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. I'm praying for boldness. I have a very specific altar call today. God has given us some territories, I believe. 
I believe God's given us some places that he wants us to inherit as a congregation. You have some places specifically on your job and places you go that I believe God is going to help you. But specifically today, I felt to pray for our church. And I want to pray. I want, and this is going to take just a moment, but I want those who are helping with our Calvary Academy child and preschool, I want you to stand over here. This is an opportunity that we have in the community to bless, to strengthen. And let me tell you something. If you don't know, the enemy is fighting against it. It's too important. We're praying for employees. We're praying for people to partner with us. We have a waiting list of students and families that want to come in. But we need the Lord. This is his territory. This isn't us creating it. This is his territory. And we want to pray for that. I want to pray for our kindergarten through 12th grade school. I want you to stand right here. Those who, teachers, faculty who are here, I want you to stand here today. We're going to pray specifically for the academy. This is a great door. This is a, a place that has been around probably the longest for the Calvary Church, 1979. I want the, the, the K-12 to stand separate from the preschool. I want you to stand up here if you're with the K-12. Anthony, stand over here. All right? We have some of our teachers that are out of town or in kids' land. We're going to believe God that this is territory that God wants the Calvary Church to inhabit. I want to pray for Celebrate Recovery today. I want them to come, those who are helping with Celebrate Recovery. We have a big meeting this Thursday, very important meeting, that really gets us onto the landscape and gives us the opportunity to be known more in the city and I want to pray because I, I tell you what, these people that are walking in this ministry are walking right into the enemy's territory. The enemy doesn't want people free from addiction. And these people, these wonderful people giving their time on Thursday night, 630. And I want to pray. I want to pray that God would give you boldness. He would give you what it takes. I want to pray for the Oxford team. I want to pray for those who are helping us start a church in Oxford, helping us start a coffee shop in Oxford. We had a tremendous offering just a couple weeks ago, over $244,000 pledged and given to help start this church. If you're in Oxford, I want you to stand over here, anybody with the Oxford team. That's brand new territory. That's a brand new place that the Calvary Church is saying, you know what? This city belongs to the Lord. Amen. And if you pledge or if you'd like to pledge to that, we're trying to collect that in, in the next 30 days or so. We're about to close on the property and we're so excited about it. But this team is getting ready to walk in to the enemy's territory. And I know 
that the enemy doesn't want them to. Enemy's going to bring discouragement. Enemy's going to bring just feelings of being overwhelmed. And, and you guys come to church on Sunday morning, Wednesday night. Hopefully, you all come to Growth University. But these are people who are giving above and beyond that. And the enemy is just bombarding them, I know. And we want to pray for boldness for them. And the last group that I feel to pray with today, I want to pray specifically for you today. I'm going, to leave you, I'm going to have you stay where you are, but I'm going to have you stand. I, If there's anything, any part of the vision that God has given me for the Calvary Church, God has called us to be a church that teaches Bible studies. I, I have no doubt about that. And I know different ones have come to me at different times offering to teach Bible studies. But I'm praying today that God would allow us to walk into that territory, to give us that opportunity to have one-on-one conversations with people about their walk with God. Some of the people that teach Bible studies are up here. But if, you, if you're not up here and you would say, you know what, I, I, I want to walk into that territory. I want you to stand. I don't want you to feel pressure to do that. But if you want to teach Bible studies, I want to pray for you today. Amen. Amen. This represents a lot of territory that the enemy is not happy about. But I'm not afraid of the enemy because the angel of the Lord has already went wherever we go. The angel of the Lord has already went before us. And he said, I've prepared a place. I've already got the place prepared. But if you'll walk in boldness, if you'll walk in confidence and you'll push past the enemy in your life, we will inherit everything that God has for us to inherit in Cincinnati. I absolutely believe that today. Amen. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.